Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Amen. Thank you all so much. As you worship the Lord, it blesses my heart and encourages me, and I appreciate that so much. I know you don't do it for me, but it certainly um, speaks to my heart when you're singing to the Lord. I appreciate that. I want to share something with you as, uh, before I move into the message. I know some of you are, I have a group of people that are called my email prayer warriors. Um, it's a group that I started probably 20 years ago or so. When I was pastor at Monticello Baptist Church, my first pastorate, the first time I served as a senior pastor, I read, a, I read an article by an evangelist named Sammy Tippett, and Sammy mentioned in this article that he had a group of people that their main responsibility, he enlisted this group of people to pray specifically for his preaching ministry, that because of the importance of that aspect of his ministry, that these people would pray specifically for that. And I realized as a young pastor uh, which I'm not anymore, but as a young pastor, I realized I certainly needed a great, I needed a group of people that would pray specifically for that and began enlisting people to do that and um, uh, and have kept that group now, going now for almost 20 years. And it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 250, 275 people now that I email once a week, every Monday, I'll shoot an email out to those folks and just ask them to pray specifically for this time right now and for my preparation to get ready for this time because this is so important. And yet some of you have said, well, where my, where's my email been the last couple of weeks? Uh, because I hadn't gotten it, and that's the truth. And people have texted and asked and said, did I do something? Did I make you mad? I mean, why? why, aren't, why? And uh, the truth of the matter is, when I was coming back from Colorado uh, on the mission trip a couple of weeks ago, I stopped at... Um, landed in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and I left my backpack. Y'all know I, my, my backpack is attached to me. That's that's a new backpack. Uh, that's my, the, what I, it's my life. And uh, so in that backpack was my laptop and uh, also a Bible that I'll tell you about in just a minute. But uh, so I lost my laptop, and it, I, it has not been returned to me yet. I've, you know, filed the lost and found and all that kind of stuff. And uh, at this point so far, it's, it's still out there still missing so I'm assuming it's gone now so my, my old laptop I'm using the operating system won't allow me to transfer over all the stuff I need to do so anyway that's why you're not getting the emails and so just keep praying for me <laughs> if you don't mind even though you're not getting an email I'm not praying for you I'm not getting emails I'm not praying but I hope you're not doing that but uh keep praying and uh, hopefully I can get things going again soon uh when I get a new uh, laptop but anyway, just wanted to kind of tell you that some folks have been asking about that. And if you want to be a part of that email prayer warrior group uh, that prays specifically every week for this time, I would welcome your uh, your participation in that. If you want to just uh, uh, let me know and I'll put you on the list. Um, so, you know, there was a series of movies that came out a few years ago called Men in Black. Y'all remember those movies? Some of you may watch those Men in Black. And uh, the guy, Will Smith, funny actor um, from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days. But uh, anyway, Will Smith was one of the main characters in those movies. And there was a scene in one of the movies where he was, he was his character was facing this ugly, nasty, bug-like alien creature. That's what Men in Black was. They were fighting these aliens and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, uh, he was facing this horrible-looking alien, big, sharp, 
fang-like teeth and stuff falling out of his mouth. And I mean, it was just nasty. And so Will Smith was looking straight at him. They were just staring at each other. And Will Smith said to him, said, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. That's what he said to him. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. And basically what he's saying, what that little phrase means, if you don't, in other words, if you don't start the fight, there ain't going to be a fight. You know, we can walk away right now and just let this thing alone. Everything will be fine. So don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Don't start the fight, there won't be a fight. And that's what Will Smith was saying to this alien. I want to tell you something. Unfortunately, in the spiritual realm, the fight has already started. The fight has started. The fight is on. It's happening right now. We don't have the luxury now of saying don't start nothing, won't be nothing, because something's already started and it's already going on, and it's going on big time, and it's going to continue to go on, and in fact, it's going to continue to increase. The intensity of this thing called spiritual warfare is going to grow in intensity. And so that's why for the next five weeks, Lord willing, over the month of August, starting today, going through the end of August, I'm starting a sermon series entitled, It's About to Get Real. Now, it's already real. And we already said that. Spiritual warfare is already real. The fight has already started. But I believe that it's about to get, if you'll pardon my incorrect grammar, it's about to get realer. <laughs> I mean, it's about to get more, it's about to get serious. The intensity of spiritual warfare in our lives, and I believe in this church and in our community and in our world, is about to ramp up. And I think, I don't think, I believe with all of my heart that we need to get ready. I think we need to get seriously, believe with all of my heart, we need to get seriously ready for the spiritual warfare that's already happening, but I believe will continue to increase in intensity. And so that's why for the next five weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. So I ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to be, for the next five weeks, going to be looking at this passage of Scripture, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Is We're going to just kind of be in this passage the whole time. Uh, to do, and we'll look at different parts of the passage each week. Uh, today we'll look at the first two verses. I want to read the whole thing today though just to kind of give us the whole context of it and think about what this means uh, for us to deal with spiritual warfare uh, in our lives today. So Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20 is where we're going to focus our attention. So would you stand please as we read this passage together today. Paul is writing here and he says, finally, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We ain't fighting with each other, y'all. Okay? We ain't fighting with each other. We're not fighting with people that we disagree with. We don't, we're not fighting with people that got different viewpoints with us than we do. It's not a struggle between flesh and blood but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, you know, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to find out what the word therefore is there for. So therefore, because we're wrestling against all of these spiritual forces of evil, because of that, so therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, which is today, and having done all, to stand firm. 
Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Uh, third verse of the hymn we just sang, the evil, the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And if you want to know how to pray for your pastor, read verses 19 and 20. And pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. May God bless the reading of his perfect word this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit who will right now at this moment teach us and show us truth and give us the strength and the power and the ability and the courage we need to obey and live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. Yeah, I told you I lost that backpack, and in that backpack was my laptop, so that was a, a, a loss to me. But there was also a Bible in that backpack, and um, it, wasn't my, it wasn't my preaching Bible. This is my preaching Bible right here. So it wasn't my preaching Bible, um, but it was a Bible that I used to preach out of. And uh, when I made a transition several years ago from the New International Version to the English Standard Version that I preach out of now, uh, I, I retired that Bible from my active preaching Bible, and it became what I called my mission trip Bible. It was a smaller Bible. It was one of those NIV slimline Bibles, and so it was a smaller Bible, so it didn't weigh as much when I put it in my backpack and, and take it on trips with me and stuff like that. But it was a Bible that I used a lot. I used in my quiet time while I've been preaching out of it and things like Lots of notes in it, lots of things in it. So, you know, I just pray now, in all seriousness, pray that if, if, somebody, if somebody did steal my backpack, if that's what happened with my backpack, that whoever got it will read that Bible. And if they don't know Jesus, they'll come to know Christ. And, and, uh, but that Bible was real special to me, as your Bibles probably are to you. And so in that Bible, because I love the book of Ephesians. I love it. It's my favorite New Testament book. I love the book of Ephesians. And in that Bible, if you picked that Bible up and just kind of held it up like this, Ephesians would almost fall out of that Bible because I spent so much time in Ephesians. And you know how when you use, I, I, hope, I, I hope you know this, you know when you use your Bible so much and when you're in the Word all the time, like you ought to be, like we all ought to be, like we want to be because it gives us the ability to know Jesus better, and then you get to know where where certain things are in the Bible. Where certain, you know, you can just turn immediately to things. Like this passage of Scripture in my, my mission trip Bible, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, I can, you know, I can even see it in my mind. I see which page it was on. I see it on that page. I see the highlights. I see the notes I had written around that passage. And the, the edge of the page here had grown really thin because of all the time that I'd spent there because this is so important. This passage and this book is so important. Ephesians, one commentator called Ephesians the queen of the epistles. 
I mean, when you think of all of Paul's writings, uh, you know, uh, uh, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of, you think of his writings, one commentator said, this is the queen of all of those. And I kind of tend to agree with that. I love all of Paul's writings, but I love Ephesians. And one of the reasons I love it so much is just the way that it helps you understand who you are in Christ. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But this passage on spiritual warfare is so important. There was a guy, a 19th century theologian named William Plummer. And Plummer said this about our daily walk with the Lord. He says this, he says, The daily business of the Christian, for those of us that know Christ, the daily business of the Christian is to resist the devil, to deny himself or herself, to overcome the world, to crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts, imitate Christ, and walk with God. That's just what we're supposed to be doing. The daily business of the Christian, resist the devil, deny yourself, overcome the world, crucify the flesh, imitate Christ, and walk with God. And you might go, that's, that's a tall order right there. Now, I don't know if I can do all that. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can if you know Christ. Because you have everything that you need. God has made it possible and made sure that if you know Him, then right now, right now, you have everything that you need to live for the Lord. Everything that you need. God has provided the means for you to do this, what William Plummer said, uh, to, uh, to resist the devil, to deny yourself, to overcome the flesh, to, uh, to overcome the world, to crucify the flesh, to imitate Christ, to walk with God. You have everything that you need to do that. So don't sell yourself short. Don't just meander your way in a wimpy kind of way through your Christian life when God's made sure that you've got everything that you need. He gave you the Holy Spirit. The moment that you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit came into you and took up residence in you, and that's why I depend upon Him solely to be the one to teach you to somehow to use this broken, imperfect mouth to speak truth that He will take and say, this is the truth, apply it to your life. The Holy Spirit, you've been given the Holy Spirit. He gives you power. The moment that you gave your life to Christ, whenever that was, and if it hadn't happened, I pray that it will happen before the end of this service, that you give your life to Jesus. But if you know Christ, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, whether it was as an eight-year-old boy like me, or whether it was just last week as an adult, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you were given power. Power. The very same power that brought Jesus Christ out of the grave resides in you at this moment. Do you understand that, church? You have that power in you. The, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you know this verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You have power. You have power to live this life. You have position. The one thing I love about Ephesians, if you got over to the first part of Ephesians, you'll find out that the Word of God, right now, you and I, I don't, I don't completely understand this, but it's the truth that at this very moment, you and I are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's your position. 
Your position right now is one of being a conqueror, more than a conqueror in Christ. That's your position. That's who you are. So we have power, we have position, we have provision. God makes sure that we have everything that we need. Everything that we need to live a life of godliness. And we have protection. We have protection. And we just read about that protection that God's given to us in the armor of God that we see there in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Man, we've been given protection. God, he's not going to tell us to go into this, into this life unprotected. We have protection every day, almost every day that I have my quiet time. One of the things I do in my quiet time is I, I, I pray on the armor of God. And it's just a way for me to tangibly remind myself of the truth of the Word of God about who I am in Christ. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's not because I grew up in a good Christian family or anything like that. It's because of Christ in me, just like it's because of Christ in you. And so every day I pray on, I start, I pray head to toe. I don't pray it in the order that we just read. It just helps me to think about it as I pray and have my quiet time. God, today I put on the helmet of salvation, that my mind will be protected. God, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, that the righteousness of Christ will protect my heart. God, I put on the belt of truth that holds it all together. Lord, today I put on the, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace so that I'll be ready to share the gospel when that moment comes. And God, I take up the shield of faith so that those arrows and those flaming darts that Satan shoots at me will be distinguished. And God, I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the spoken Word of God, and the written Word of God. Then I pray in the Spirit on all occasions because that's what God's told me I have because I belong to Jesus. And you do too. And the reason God has given us this spiritual protection is because of the warfare that we're in. The fight has started. It started. The book of Ephesians is an incredible book. Just real quick synopsis about Ephesians, just so you'll kind of get a real broad, quick overview of this, this book. You can divide the book of Ephesians up into three sections. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. There are six chapters. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 tell us who we are. If you are in Christ, you go read chapters 1, 2, and 3 and find out who you are, brother in Christ. Sister, you go find out who you are. You'll find out that right now you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Find out who you are. And then you go from chapter 3, chapter 4 through 6, verse 9. Chapter 4 through 6, verse 9 tells us how to live. 1 through 3, who we are. Now, because of who you are, move to chapter 4 and go through chapter 6, verse 9 and find out how you're supposed to live. Be an imitator of Christ. Be an imitator of God. Uh, husbands, Ephesians 5.25, every young man, if, if there's any young men in here that I've done premarital counseling with, if you sat in my office, if you hadn't, and the, you sit in my office, and I look every young man in the eyes, or every old man that I'm doing premarital counseling, I look every man, and I look every man in the eye in this room, if you're a husband, and tell you that Ephesians 5.25 tells you, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. That's how you love your wife. You sacrifice for her. You love her as much as Jesus loves us. I can't do that. Yes, you can because of who you are. You can do that. And wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. I can't do that. Yes, you can because of who you are in Christ. Who you are. Who we are. Chapters 1 through 3, how to, how to live 
chapters 4 through chapter 6, verse 9. And then the last section is how to stand that we just read. Chapter 6, 10 through 20. How to stand. Because we're in a battle. And the fight has started. And the application for this message is we must know who our enemy is and how he operates so we can stand against him. The title of the message today as we start this series is The Enemy We Face. The enemy that we face. we got to know who he is and how he operates. Now, I don't like giving him this much airtime, but we're going to talk about him today. We're going to talk about this enemy that we have. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, some of you military guys, Tom, and some of you other guys, military, you may know a lot more about this than I do, but I'm reading a book right now about a group of um, military, a, a military special forces group that operated during the Vietnam War. Uh, the, the initials were SOG. And what these guys were, th- that stands for Studies and Observation Group. And this was a very specialized group, special forces, uh, different uh, 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 guys working together. And their main job, it was a classified job but during the war. They, nobody really knew about them. But what they do, they would take these guys, small teams of these men, very highly trained, special forces guys, and they would insert them into enemy territory. They'd take them in by helicopter most of the time or something like that, try to insert them in to enemy territory, and then they would just go in right in the middle of the enemy. I mean, the enemy was everywhere. They'd insert them, and these guys would stay there and try to secretly uh, covert operations to do what the, what's called reconnaissance recon missions where they what they would do is they went to find out where the enemy was they went to find out what the enemy was doing what the tactics of the enemy were where the enemy had all of his his supplies and what they were what the enemy was trying to plan and then they would try to get back out of the enemy territory get back to the good guys and say all right this is what's going on we need to get ready well what we're doing today is a recon mission today we need to know who our enemy is and we need to know how he operates so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about the enemy's description. And from Genesis through Revelation, you find multiple descriptions of our enemy. And if you're a person who takes notes in sermons, I think that's a good thing to do, but you may not be able to take all these notes because I'm going to run quickly through these because there's a bunch of them. But I want you to understand and get a description of our enemy. First of all, we know the name Satan. That appears 52 times in the Bible. That word means adversary. It means enemy. Then there's the name Lucifer. You've heard that before too. That's from Isaiah 14, 12. And that, that name means day star because he was the prideful day star. That's what got, got him kicked out of heaven. You remember that? That's what got him kicked out of heaven was that he became prideful and he wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. And God said, no, there's only one God and that's me and you're out of here. And so he got kicked out. Isaiah 14, 12 tells us that the prideful day star fell from heaven. Ezekiel 28, 14 calls him the anointed cherub because he was an angel. He was a very exalted, anointed angel in heaven before he fell. Uh, The most popular word for our enemy is the devil. He's the devil. Let me tell you something about this word. I think that we have watered this word down. One reason is because those of y'all that are old enough to remember Flip Wilson, what he used to say, what? The devil made me do it and everybody would laugh and everybody would laugh because the devil made me do it. And so Flip Wilson had a hand in helping us just go, it ain't that big a deal. The devil made me do it. That's funny. That's funny. Ha, ha, ha. The devil made me do it. I'll tell you something. That word is a biblical word, and it appears only in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 is the first place it appeared when Jesus, it says, the devil 
appeared to him, came to him, and began tempting him in the wilderness. Do you remember that? Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus began his earthly ministry, right after his baptism. He's the devil. That word means slanderer. He's not just some cute little kid dressed up in his red pajamas holding a pitchfork going trick-or-treat. That's not who we're talking about here. And so for us to just kind of throw that around, well, the devil made me do it. Uh Uh-huh, the devil can't make you do anything. But if you'll think about the next thing, uh, description of him that Jesus said in Matthew 4 verse 3, after he said, after Matthew wrote, the devil appeared, then Jesus said he was the tempter. Matthew 4 verse 3, because he can't make you do anything, despite what Flip Wilson said, but he will tempt you to do anything number of ungodly things he'll tempt you to become addicted to porn he'll tempt you to step out on your wife he'll uh, he'll tempt you to cheat on your income tax or be unethical in your business dealings he'll tempt you to do all sorts of things he'll tempt you to gossip about the pastor he'll tempt you to do any number of things any number of things that's his that's his tactics against us he's the tempter matthew 9 34 says he's the ruler of demons Matthew 12, 24, he's called Beelzebub, and that means Lord of the Flies or Lord of Dung, D-U-N-G. That's pretty nasty, isn't it? Because he is nasty. He's a nasty enemy. Matthew 13, 19, Jesus called him the evil one. Matthew 13, 39, he's called the enemy. Jesus said in John 8, 44, he's the liar and the fa- he's a liar and the father of lies, and he's a murderer. That same verse says that our enemy is a murderer. You know what he wants to do to you? He wants to kill you. I mean, kill you. I mean, kill you dead. He wants to murder you. That's what he's trying to do. He's serious about this. This is a serious enemy. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We're going through the book of 1 John on Wednesday nights and refresh. I invite you to come be a part of our midweek service. That's a wonderful time of worship for our church. And right now we're going through the book of 1 John. 1 John 5, 19 says that the, that the enemy is the ruler of this world. He's the ruler of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, call, he's called the God of this age, little g, the God of this age, this blinded the minds of unbelievers. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says he's an angel of light. That means he looks real good. He looks real pretty. He looks like everything's fine. He sounds good. He's a smooth talker, and yet he is our enemy. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.15, his name is Belial. That word means vileness. Ephesians 2.2 says he's the prince of the power of the air. 1 Peter 5.8 says he is our adversary. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's you. He will devour you if you let him. Revelation, the book of Revelation, Revelation 9.11, two names, Apollyon and Abaddon, both of those names mean destroyer because he wants to destroy you. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's exactly what he wants to do in any area of your life that you will let him do that because he is the destroyer. Revelation 12 9 says he is the great dragon, the old serpent, the deceiver of the whole world. And then Revelation 12 10, he is the accuser of God's people. That's the description of our enemy. One commentator said this, Satan has no conscience, no compassion, no remorse, no morals. He feeds on pain and anguish and filth. 
That's our enemy. And he's for real. And he is coming hard for you and for me, if you know Christ. He's going to be relentless, and we need to be ready. That's the enemy's description. Let's talk about the enemy's devices. Let's talk about, all right, he's, he's attacking. He is. The fight is on. Don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. Unfortunately, the fight's already started. So we got to know what we, gotta, what we need to be doing. Let me tell you some things he can't do. <laughs> tell you some things he can't do. He cannot alter your salvation. He can't change your salvation. He, he, can't, he can't have you. Now, once you come to know Jesus, praise God, your Jesus is forever. You belong to him and belong to him forever. Man, jot this verse down, these verses down, John 10, 28 and 29. Jot those down and listen to these wonderful, wonderful promises from Jesus. If you got a red letter Bible, they'd be in red letters in your Bible right there. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. How long does eternal life last? Forever. So that's why eternal life is eternal. That's why once saved, always saved. Once you truly come to know Christ, you're His forever. Because if, if you could lose your salvation, guess what? It wouldn't be eternal, would it? It wouldn't be eternal life if you could lose your salvation. So the people that preach and teach <clears throat> that you can lose your salvation are wrong. They're wrong. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. You belong to Him and belong to Him forever. Jesus said, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my Father <coughs> who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Man, you're there, and you're there forever. And Satan knows that. He knows he can't have you because you don't belong to him anymore. But if you've never given your life to Christ, you belong to Satan. No, wait a minute, John, I'm... I'm not one of them devil worshipers. You belong to Satan. If you've never given your life to Christ, you're an enemy of God. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not an enemy of God. I mean, I'm not like that. Yes, you are. You're an enemy of God. You're not a friend of God if you don't know Jesus. That's why you need to come to know Christ. But once you come to know Jesus, Satan cannot take your salvation away. He can't take the Holy Spirit away from you. He cannot separate or detach you from God's wonderful love. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Y'all know these verses. For I am convinced, Paul wrote, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons... Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height nor depth, or anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Isn't that a good word? Amen? And Satan knows that. So what can he do? If he can't do that, if he can't take our salvation away, if he can't take us away from the love of God, if he can't take the Holy Spirit away from us, what can he do? Listen to what Dr. Charles Stanley said. Satan's goal is to keep you from winning souls. You know, when you get afraid, go to witness somebody and you get scared, that's not from the Holy Spirit. You know why you're afraid to witness? Do you know why you're afraid to witness? It's not because you don't know what to say. It's not because you hadn't been trained. It's because the enemy is making you afraid. He does not want you to share the gospel with people. So if you're afraid to witness, it's because the enemy is directly attacking you with fear. For the Word of God says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and love and a sound mind. So God's not the one making you afraid. It's Satan. It's, the, it's Satan's work against you. It's spiritual warfare. When you're afraid to witness, it's because the enemy is coming against you. His goal is to keep you from winning souls. His goal is to keep you from using your spiritual gifts to bless the body of Christ and from doing God's work. You know why some folks just come to church and sit on their royal um, pews uh, and don't ever do anything for the Lord? It's not because... It's not because, well, I don't like the preacher. It's not because I don't agree with what they're doing that down there at that church. I love that down there at that church. It's not because you don't like the deacons. It's not because you don't like the color of the carpet or don't like uh, the fact that I don't wear a tie sometimes or whatever. That's not it. The reason you don't serve the Lord is because the enemy's come against you. And he's keeping you from using your spiritual gifts to do the work of Christ in the body of Christ. Because the reason you gave your life to Jesus and the reason you joined the church was not to sit and soak and sour, but to serve the Lord. So Satan, his goal is to keep you from using your spiritual gifts to bless the body of Christ and to keep you from doing God's work. Satan continues to come after you to undermine what you say and do so that your influence for Christ on this earth will be weakened and effective and ineffective It is for that reason that he continues to seek every way possible to discourage you, to cause you to live in depression and oppression, to make your life miserable and less fulfilling, to fill your mind with doubts and assault you with all manner of sickness, tragedy, and crises. That's what Satan's doing. That's how he works That's that's some of his divisive Satan schemes. Go back to Ephesians 6. You remember that verse that we said there? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the schemes of the devil. That word schemes, the Greek word is the word methodia, from which we get the word method. He has methods, multitudes of methods that he will use against you and me. Some of his methods are sickness. Include why, why do you think COVID's still hanging around? Don't give me all your political viewpoints. I don't care about your political viewpoints on why COVID's still around. The reason COVID's still around is because Satan is attacking. He's attacking. And he's got people in the church getting up in each other's faces, brothers and sisters in Christ getting up in each other's faces because you disagree about COVID. Doesn't Satan love that? If we would fight and disagree and get upset about a vaccine or about a mask or something, he loves it. He loves it that we do that. That's part of it. His methods in sickness, confusion. He lies. He corrupts you. He destroys, destroys your families, your businesses. He wants to destroy this church. He wants to destroy cities. Why is the crime rate skyrocketing in cities all across our nation? It ain't because of political stuff. It is because of government stuff, because our government's corrupt. And it's not our government's not corrupt because we got a Democrat in the White House. It was corrupt when we had a Republican in the White House. The reason that crime is skyrocketing is because the enemy is working to corrupt everywhere that he possibly can. Everywhere. Why are we still fighting racism? It's because of the enemy. 
Why are we still fighting about stuff that we don't need to fight about? It's because of the enemy he wants to corrupt and destroy. He wants to hinder the work and the spread of the gospel. I told you that we've begun praying over the last month or so. God, give us flora. Satan knows that we're praying that now. He knows that we're about to get even more serious about making much of Jesus in Florida, Mississippi. We're going to attempt, our goal is going to be to share the good news of Jesus Christ with every last person in Florida, Mississippi. You think Satan's just going to sit back and go, well, I'm, I'm, y'all go ahead. Nothing I can do about it. No! That's why I'm telling you, that's why the title of this sermon series is It's About to Get Real. Because if we're going to be serious about this thing, and we are going to be serious about this thing of making much of Jesus, we will face spiritual attacks. He wants to choke your faith. He, he will come and, and try to snatch away the Word of God from you. You remember when Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed? Sowing the seed, the seed was the Word of God. And three out of four times it fell on rocky ground Shallow soil, thorns. And the birds came and snatched it away. And Jesus said, that's like Satan coming to snatch the word. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen. Before some of you get to your car out in the parking lot, we finish here, Satan's going to come and try to snatch this word away from you. This is real stuff. This, we ain't playing. We're not just talking stuff just because I'm supposed to fill up some time on Sunday morning. This is real. Satan wants, he will come. In some way, one of his demons, you probably are never going to face Satan personally. Because here's the good news. Satan is not omnipresent like God is. God is everywhere present. God is just as present here as he is in Russia right now. He's just as present in Alaska as he is in Afghanistan right now. He's just as present in this church as he is in the other churches that are worshiping. He is just, God is everywhere present. Satan can only be one place at one time. So you and I probably never will meet him, but he's got a multitude of demons, fallen angels that do his work. And they're going to be working. I guarantee you, before some of you get to the truck car today, one of those demons is going to come and try to snatch this word away. Man, why did that preacher, he preached too long. Why did he, he got all, why did he start hollering? I don't like it when he hollers. I don't like it when he does this. I don't like it when he does that. I don't even like, why did he, why did he talk about the devil so much? Blah, 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 blah. And it'd be, he's going to come and try to snatch it away from you before you even get to your car today. This is serious business. Because those are part of his devices. His schemes, Satan's schemes, Satan seduces. That word means he leads astray, he entices, he wants to draw you away. You know, advertisers spend billions of dollars to try to entice you away from drinking this soft drink to drink this soft drink, away from this restaurant to come to their restaurant, to, away from this insurance company to this insurance company. For, don't buy these shoes, buy these shoes, don't buy this exercise equipment, buy this exercise equipment. They're constantly, and Satan's doing the same thing. Man, don't believe that stuff. Don't listen to that stuff. Don't, don't go all five weeks to that sermon series. You don't want to do that. Don't do that. Don't go to that revival. Don't do this stuff. Don't do that. No, just, you know, don't, don't get so serious, man. You know, preacher talks about getting fired up for Jesus. Man, don't do all that kind of stuff. Don't worry about that. You don't really have to do that. Other people will do it. Other people will get all fired up. You just kind of keep doing your little wimpy thing, and everybody else will get fired up, and you can just kind of pretend like you're fired up like everybody. Don't do all that. He seduces and he solicits. 
You know, solicitation is not necessarily a bad word, but it can mean to influence someone into a wrong or unlawful action. You think about, maybe you think, you know, a prostitute will come and solicit money in exchange for her services. And that's what Satan comes and solicits and says, hey, look, why don't you just, just come with me? Just come on with me. I'm an angel of light. Look, everything's all right. Just come with me. Oh, this is serious. Those are his devices, and it's for real. So we got to be ready. And it's after 12 o'clock. i got to give you one more point. But here's the last point. i got to give it to you because it's the best one. Because I've been talking about Satan too much. I want to tell you one more thing. Uh, we talked about his description. We talked about his devices. Let's talk about his demise. Because he's already a defeated foe. Amen. He's already defeated. He's already done. He's done. And one of the reasons why I entitled this sermon series, it's about to get real, is because Satan is ticked off. And he's going to get more ticked off. And there's biblical basis to that. You go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, I believe it is, that says that the devil came and he is filled with rage. He is filled with fury. Why? The Word of God says, because he knows his time is short. That's what that verse says. He knows. Y'all listen to me. He knows this Bible better than you do. He knows it better than I do. And he's read the end of the story. And you know what he finds at the end of the story? <laughs> he finds at the end of the story, he finds this right there. He finds, let me find it real quick. He finds it real quick. Yeah, verse, uh, Revelation 20 verse 10. He, he knows this. He's read this. He knows this. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. He knows that. He knows he's a defeated foe. So until that day happens, he's going to get more and more angry. Filled with more and more rage. More and more fury. More and more wrath. That's why I'm just telling you, it's about to get real and it's going to get even realer. It's going to get more intense. And if you and I are not ready for it, if you are not ready for it, and if you're not doing what the Word of God says that we're going to talk about over the course of these five weeks, and be ready to stand, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the enemy. Stand fast, therefore. Stand fast, therefore. And if you're not ready to do that, then you're going, you're going down. You will go down. He will kill, steal, and destroy. Can't take your salvation if you know Christ, but He will take everything else. Some of you have testimony to that effect. You know what I'm talking about. So we're going to be ready? Or are we going to stand? Are you going to stand? Is this church going to stand? Or are we going to get taken out? He'll, he'll take us out. He'll take this whole church out. He'll wipe us completely off the face of the earth. No, I ain't doing that this year. Yes, he will. If we're not ready, if we don't stand on the authority of God's word, the strength and the power of the Lord, then he'll take us out. I ain't scared. Because <laughs> greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. Amen. But we better be ready. And we got to get serious. So I invite you today. If you don't know Christ, number one, I invite you to come to Jesus. Because I'll tell you, you're on the wrong team. If you don't know Jesus, you're on the losing team. You're going to go to hell. 
you die without Christ, you're going to go to hell. That place where Satan was created for Satan and them, we're going to be tormented, that's where you're going to be. It's created for him, but you're going with him. Ain't going to be a place where you get to party with all your friends down there and they're oh, I'm going to hell. Well, I'm, no, it ain't going to happen that way. You need Jesus. Come to Christ. Those of you that know Jesus, let me tell you something, my brother. Let me tell you something, my sister. If you're just kind of going through the motions now, right now in your walk with Jesus, you're going down. He's going to take you out. If you're just kind of, just kind of mamby-pamby in your way through the Christian life, He will take you out. Your marriage is going to get destroyed. Your family is going to be decimated. Your business is going to be turned upside down. You're going to be mad at the world. I, I don't know. I mean, this could be anything. Anything. And I'm not saying all of those things happen to just people that are, because those things happen to good people too. Don't get me wrong. But boy, if you open that door for him, you open that opportunity for him, he's going to take you down. He'll take you out. So we've got to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his power. So today would be a good day. If, you're, if your love for Christ has grown cold today, it would be a good day for that fire to get fired back up again. Let the Holy Spirit blow on those flames, that ember that's still there, that ember that's still there. Let the Holy Spirit come and blow today. And let it burst back into the flame it needs to be for you to be able to stand. Let's pray together. Father, help us today. Lord, thank you, God, for who you are. And thank you for the strength that you give us. The strength even now, Lord, to say yes to you, whatever that means for us. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen.